0: How about another big round of applause for our band, the Pandemic Pals. Let's hear it for them. It's not a very clever band name, but I thought it was cute, the Pandemic Pals. hmm? They were pals before the pandemic. But thank you so much to our band, and thank you all for worshiping with us today in person and online. We're so glad to have you with you. We are in part three of a four-part message series. And those of you who are newer to Hope, this is essentially what we do We preach, or we teach, or we give these messages in a series. We take a topic and we talk about it for a number of weeks until I've run out of stuff to say, or until you're sick of hearing about it, whichever comes first. So that's what we do here. We are in part three of a series that we are calling This is the Test. This. This right now. This is the test. And what we know about life is that as we journey through life, we are faced with certain challenges and obstacles, certain periods of being tested. And from a a perspective that's outside of Christianity, people believe that whatever doesn't kill us can make us stronger. That's a saying, right? Some of us believe that, and Kelly Clarkson wrote a song about it. Whatever doesn't kill us makes us stronger. But there is an element of truth to that. Now, those of us who are believers... Those of us who believe the Bible and what the Bible says to be true, we are taught in Scripture that we will go through periods of testing. It's not random. In fact, Peter tells us, don't be surprised when you are tested. This is part of life. Uh, in fact, let me read to you um, James chapter 1, verses 2-4. through four. Listen to what James has to say. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You want me to, you want me to count it as a joy when I'm being tested? tested and when I'm going through trials. That's what James says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Various kinds of trials. In a situations where you might find yourself out of work, consider that a joy. Various kinds of trials. When you're faced with some kind of political oppression, consider that a joy. When you're faced with things like, oh, I don't know, a pandemic, consider that a joy. When you face these trials, why should we do that, James? For you know, That the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. There's a word we don't use all that often, but I like it. Steadfastness, right? Having that firm foundation. This testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we believe that there is a process that is going on in our lives, a process of being reshaped and remolded. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, Paul talks about this being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, that we're being reshaped, right? It's not as if we become Christians. We say some kind of sinner's prayer and then, boom, hey, we're different. I mean, that can happen. I mean, anything's possible through Christ, right? But that's not the normal way things happen. Normally, we go through life and we are molded and shaped and we become more Christ-like. And that question has been asked, well, how does that confirmation process work, that conforming process work? How does that reshaping and molding process work? How do we do that? Is it by studying the Bible? Well, sure, that helps. Is it by going to worship services? Absolutely, that that feeds into that process of becoming more and more Christ-like. But if you want to see accelerated growth... (laughs) acceleration in that reshaping process, you go through trials. This is it. This is where we become more Christ-like. We do our prep work. We do our Bible study. We do our daily devotions. We enter into worship services. We do these things. We engage in these different disciplines. And then, then then's the time to be tested. And that's really where we grow and are reshaped and become more and more like Jesus Christ, our Lord. So far in this series, we have covered a few different topics. We've talked about faith, Versus fear in a period like this where there's so much uncertainty, right? What are these uncertain times? We're all sick of hearing that phrase, but there's so much uncertainty. There's economic uncertainty and some people have lost out on income and some people have lost their jobs altogether. And so in a time of uncertainty, there is the temptation to give in to fear, right? When you find a sense of security in your wealth or in your job or in your health or in the status, those things are going to be taken away from you. you. When you sense those things might be taken away from you, you can experience fear. But if you choose faith, over fear to find your sense of security in jesus christ if you choose faith over fear and find your security there you will defeat fear and not give in to that temptation to experience fear because none of us none of us want to live out of that place of fear we don't last week we talked about generosity versus greed i know that was a tough one friends right i'm trying to get better at reading faces through masks it's tough right i just see about this much of you anymore right I know that was a tough one last week when we talked about generosity and greed in a time where, again, there's an economic downturn, economic difficulty, and people are losing outcome. There's income. There's that much more of a temptation to hold on to more than you need. To hold on to more than you need. We as a church and we as believers, we believe in living life with open hands, open hands receive, and open hands can give. But when your job is in jeopardy, when you've lost out on income, there's that temptation to hold on. And now is a time where more generosity is needed. And that that desire to be generous is so difficult to give into, but we have to. Generosity, making sacrifices for the sake of others. Generosity meeting needs that need to be met. And I shared with you, you know what? The live stream cut out last week. Should I just preach that sermon again? I'll preach it again. I'll preach it again. No, I don't want to preach the whole thing again. But but this is the thing: it was it was greed versus generosity, and we as a leadership, we as a church, we are being tested as well. You know, here we are, and we have, we have this first for us as a church. For the first time in our history, our weekly average giving is low. What's the first time that's ever happened. Praise God it's the first time. Am I right? Amen? Praise God it's the first time. We're about $300 a week below our average weekly need. Oh no, should we panic? Should we be afraid? Or should we give more now we've decided we need to lean into generosity we need to give more now we need to pass this test right and that's one of the reasons why we've decided to give our friends in Kenya an additional $5000 in support it's not intuitive we could easily hold on to things but we're saying no now is the time to give 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 and live into generosity and we encourage you to live the same way live life with open hands open hands can receive and open hands can give Today, we're going to talk about the battle of humility versus pride, this test of humility versus pride. At this point in our series, there's something very important that I need to clarify. These issues that we've discussed so far, I want to make sure we're all on the same page with this. These aren't crossroads issues, okay? These aren't issues where you're at a fork in the road and you can either choose fear or you can choose faith. It's not like that. Oh, I'm at this crossroads and should I choose to give in to fear or should I choose to be faithful and and really find my security in Jesus? It's not like that. It's not a crossroads. It's not choosing between greed and generosity. Oh, you know, am I going to choose to be greedy in this moment or am I going to choose to be generous? These are not crossroads issues. Here's what we need to embrace, and this is a tough thing for us human beings. We need to realize that what Scripture says is true and that none of us, by our nature or as Scripture says, according to the flesh, we're not good by our very nature. And so here's what we need to know, that all of us as human beings, we have a default mode, right? And that by our default mode, according to our flesh, we are going to live in fear. And we are going to live in greed. And we are going to find security in the wrong things. And we are going to hold on to more than what we need. That is our default mode as human beings. You don't want that to be true, and neither do I. But without intentionality, we're going to stay in places like that. Places of fear, places of greed. And pride's the same way. It's not a crossroads situation. Hmm, should I choose to be humble or should I choose to be pride? If you don't make a choice, your default will be pride. If you don't make a choice, your default will be fear. Your default will be greed. We need to choose otherwise to get ourselves out of this place. It's not a crossroads situation. Does that make sense? We might not like it, but does that make sense? Okay. So we move on to... Humility versus pride. Here's what we're going to do today. Um, in the past couple of weeks, I've spent time defining terms for us, you know, defining what greed is, defining what generosity is, and so forth. Um, this morning, we're not so much concerned about defining terminology. Uh, it's not my goal today to define pride for you. Instead, it's my goal to give you some ideas about how pride manifests itself in your life. That's what we're doing today. And I'm going to give you several statements to hold on to, several ideas that our note-takers can write down, ideas of ways that pride can manifest itself in your life. This, This test, this battle of humility versus pride, this might be the most difficult test of all time. Pride is no laughing matter. Just about every relational issue you've ever had The root cause of that problem, the root cause of that suffering, the root cause of that pain was pride. So much suffering, so much hardship, so much damage caused in relationship, and if you dig into what happened in that relationship, if you dig into what caused this pain, you will find at the source of all this mess, one thing, pride. You, can blame pride for, you can't you can blame pride for a virus, okay? So that COVID-19 is not pride's fault. But so many of these relational things that happen are pride's fault. You dig into it, what happened. It was pride. It was pride. It was pride. Somebody puts themselves in a position that they haven't earned. Somebody thinks they can get away with something that they can't get away with. Somebody thinks that they're better than somebody else. And boom! Pride is the root cause of so much of the suffering that we bring upon ourselves and our loved ones. What does Scripture tell us? Pride goes before the fall King James, pride goeth before the fall. NIV, pride goes before destruction, I believe it is. Yes, pride goes before destruction. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride's a big deal. Pride, if, listen, if left unchecked, you feel like I've made the point I should move on. Hang on, I will in a second. Pride, if left unchecked, will lead to your downfall. Not might. Not could. Pride, if left unchecked, will lead to your downfall. Let's close in prayer. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) What kind of church is this? No, pride will lead to your downfall, but we're not helpless and we're not hopeless here. We can defeat pride. We can overcome this obstacle. We can overcome this. We can overcome our human nature in Christ. We can do all things. We can overcome all of this. And what we need to do is we defeat pride by choosing to exercise humility. Humility is a choice. Have you ever met someone that's just, oh, this person's so humble, goodness gracious. You think they just, by their own nature, they act? No, that's a choice. To engage in humility, to exercise humility, is a choice. And so again, we're going to look at these ways that <clears throat> pride manifests itself in our lives. Let me tell you a little story here um, that has to do with pride. So this morning, <clears throat> this morning I am on my way from my home in Norwood to this church building. It's less than two miles away, and uh, it's a seven-minute drive if you're wondering and so I get in my car to make this trip and I like to be places early are you one of those people that likes, if I'm on time I feel like eh, nervous I like to be places early and so I get in my car and I'm on my way and guess what there's a road closed there's traffic did you have that too there's obstacles how, how many people have ever experienced traffic just okay one two, ten ten of us all right great Now all of us all of us have experienced like what, what's going on here And my immediate, without intentionality, without trying, my immediate response to that is, why is this happening to me, right? I understand traffic. It's a part of life. It's a concept. But isn't it something that happens to other people? I got places to be, folks, right? I mean, goodness gracious, I'm the pastor of a church and it's Sunday morning. You can't inconvenience me right now. Why would this happen to moi, right? Right? And no, I didn't say that out loud. And no, you would never say that out loud either. But when you feel, listen, when you feel that anger or that frustration, where is that coming from? Pride, because you believe things like this should not happen to you. That's pride. Pride, you ready, no takers? Here's your first one. Pride is believing you deserve better. Pride is believing you deserve better. I don't deserve to be inconvenienced. I deserve better than this. Pride is believing you deserve better all of us everybody watching everybody participating in worship this morning we all have our pandemic stories don't we stories of being inconvenienced well that's putting it lightly isn't it stories of the hardships that we've gone through we all have our pandemic stories of disappointment and this morning i'd like to share with you my pandemic story of disappointment now your your story is probably worse than mine You've probably experienced a tougher time and more hardships than me, and so let's not compete. I'm not trying to compete with you. That's weird that we do that, isn't it? We compete. Who has the worst stories? Let's not do that today, all right? Because you would probably win that competition, right? You have your story. I have my story. Let Let me share with you my pandemic story of disappointment. And I have to go all the way back to the early 90s. That's where my story of pandemic disappointment begins. In the early 90s, I was in seventh grade and I went through confirmation class at my home church. It was a Methodist church. I didn't even know Methodists did confirmation. I thought that was a Catholic thing. Guess what? Methodists do confirmation. So I was going through confirmation class and it was my second time to go through confirmation class because it didn't take the first time. That's a long story. Anyway, I'm in confirmation class for the second time and we get to confirmation Sunday and all the students stand up, and one at a time, we get our little certificate, and we, give our, we get our offering envelopes. I think that's what confirmation was about. Now you're supposed to give to the church. I'm in seventh grade. What am I supposed to give? Anyway, I got my box of offering envelopes, and I sit down, and the confirmation leader, he stood up, and he said something about each one of us students. And so there's so much I don't remember about that day. But that teacher, he stood up, and he said, Josh, I can see you one day teaching the Bible. I thought, what? No, 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 no. That's not me. You see, I, that's not my plan for my life. And quite frankly, I'm too cool and too good-looking to be teaching the Bible, okay? right? That's what I thought at seventh grade. We're talking about pride, right? It's not that funny, all right? <laughs> and so that's what I thought. But that caught my attention, and that, that hit me. That hit me in my spirit. Why would somebody say that? And so what do you do when you feel like you might be called to do something for God? Well, what do we do? We, we ignore it, right? And we try to ignore that voice and we shut it down and we push it aside. And so I went about my life and I grew up and I turned 18 and I had different plans for a different career and I went to a different school for a different thing. Long story, long and boring story, very short. I end up back in this area and what do I start doing? I start volunteering at my home church with the youth group. Volunteering at that point in my life, I had read most of the New Testament. I'd read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. So that qualified me enough to be helping with the youth. And I wanted to give the youth the experience that I felt like I didn't really have as a teenager in that church. And so that experience became a job opportunity. I interviewed for this job to be the youth director at my home church, and I was grossly underqualified. Like, it's not even funny, man. So unqualified for that. I would never have hired me, right? But I had vision, I had this idea, and I wanted to teach people about the real Jesus, the Jesus of the book of Matthew, the Jesus of the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, most of my tenure as a youth director, we just went through Matthew. Isn't that right, Kelby, right? We just talked about it. Kelby was there. We just talked about Matthew over and over and over again. Sermon on the Mount. We just talked about this stuff. Because I wanted to introduce kids to Jesus, and so we do this, and quite, quite early on, I realized that I'm not qualified to do this, and so i like, i got to go to Bible school. So I went to Bible college, PBU, Philadelphia Biblical University, it's called something different now, CARN, is that what it's called? Yeah, there we go. And so I went there to try to get better equipped to do this job, flash, flash it forward to the future, and I leave that job, and I take on another job at another church in Thornton. So that was a full-time job. They were looking for a director of children's ministry, which I was fine with because I never wanted to be a pastor. I'll go to a Bible college, that's fine. I'll even work in a church, that's fine. But there is a line that I have drawn in blood that I will not cross. I'll work for a church, but I will not be a pastor. And so I took that job. And my first week there, they said, by the way, we're going to make you a pastor. All right, see you. I'm like, oh, well, what? I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up for that. That was a milestone moment in my life because I needed to make a decision. Do I walk away from this? Do I push back against this? Or do I just lean into this, what's happening, what's been thrust upon me here, right? That's a dramatic way to put it. And so I say yes. I say yes. And that was a milestone in my life to say yes to that opportunity. And I realized I needed some more education. So I went to seminary, learned more things. And then in seminary, I learned about what being a pastor can be. And I learned more about what church can be and what church should be. And I realized we need to do some church stuff right here in my hometown, and to leave where I was and come back home to help plant a church. And I tried to put that off. I tried to think of an alternative. Can't we just do a Bible study? Can't we do some small group networks? Can't we do something other than the church plant? Finally, it was like, no, it's got to be church plant. And so I met with the leadership of the church that I was a part of, and I said, here's what I got to do. That was a milestone in my life, because it was a point of no return. <laughs> Once you say, listen, I'm not invested here anymore. I'm invested back home, and that's what I'm going to go do. is like, whoop, you can't. There's no takesies-backsies after that point. That was a milestone. Last Sunday that year was uh, 2012. Last, the last Sunday in May of that year was my last Sunday at that church. The first Sunday in June was Hope, and we started out with a bang. Not really. We started out doing a service project instead of a worship service, and it was an absolute train wreck. It was a mess. <laughs> we went to this place, this, this rehab facility, and we tried to clean it up. We were supposed to paint a wall. Well, the wall didn't even exist. It needed to be patched up, Right? It was an absolute mess, and it set the tone for who we are as a church. We're a mess, okay? You guys know that. That was a milestone that first Sunday. That first summer, we were meeting in the, um, what, was it? what was it called? The hotel there. The Wyndham Garden Hotel in Essington. How could I forget, right? We were meeting there, and I believe either our second or third worship service was a baptism service. And we had people stand up in this hotel banquet room, walk up, and get baptized. I've got photos. <laughs> that was a milestone. You remember that? Our first baptism service. What a milestone. We moved into the Barnstormers Theater really, and things just changed, and that was a milestone because opening up into this community, more people connected with us, that was a milestone. We had our second baptism service service, that was a milestone. And our third baptism service, that was a milestone. And over the course of five five years, friends, five years. Developing a relationship with the congregation of First Baptist Church of Ridley Park. Five years of talking, five years of exploring opportunities to maybe work together. And then finally, after five, did I say five? Five years of conversations and talk, we reached this partnership, we reached this agreement where they were going to give us this building. Did I say give? Actually, it cost a dollar, okay? I paid for it, not a big deal, okay, you know, I contributed a dollar, you're welcome, all right? Pride, 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 pride. Anyway, that was a big deal. We signed those papers in January of 2020. That was a big deal. But going back to October of 2019, I announced at the Barnstormers Theater, we're going to do this thing. And you all stood up and you applauded. Yeah! And I said, let's keep this excitement going. And you did. Those of you who have been members of this church, you did. And you came here for those work days and we were excited about that. And we had this. We had a big, Big milestone that we are about to get right to the top of. Easter, that was the plan. Easter 2020, we're going to have a big, grand reopening in this space. And we're going to bust open these doors. And we're going to invite everybody and their mother into this place. And we're going to preach the gospel. And people are going to meet Jesus. And we're going to transform this community. Yes! And we were pumped. And I was pumped. And it was taken from me. And it was taken from me. The years of work and sacrifice and enduring ridicule and criticism and sacrifice, did I mention sacrifice, and watching my peers climb the corporate ladder as I'm sinking into obscurity, that there was this big milestone, finally! I mean, come on guys, don't I deserve this grand reopening? Don't I des- after all this work, don't we deserve, don't I deserve to get to this place and have this grand opening and throw open these doors and preach the gospel? Don't I deserve this? I mean, God, after all I've done for you, don't I deserve this? Pride. The answer to that question is very simple. No. No, I don't. Oh, okay. Okay. Listen, that's my story, but it's not just my story. So many of you have been part of this church. So many of you, like I said, you worked hard and you were here for those work days, and we filled two, count them, two 30 yard dumpsters. Am I right? And we had 30 people here, we had 40 people here, and we had 60 people here doing this work, and they come in from doing that work, and we have lunch right here in this sanctuary, and people are laughing and having a good time. Why are we having a good time? This is hard work, but we were excited. And those of you who were Christians before you started coming to Hope, you were believers already, and you left something better to be a part of this. To be a Christian and connect with this half-baked thing that we call Hope Community Church is a huge sacrifice, and I wanted this milestone for you because I feel like you deserve it after all these years of being part of our church, after all these years of sacrifice, after all these years of sacrifice upon sacrifice upon sacrifice, you deserved an opportunity to have this celebration, and it was taken from us. Didn't we deserve that? To have that celebration? No. Pride is believing we deserve better. No, we didn't, we didn't deserve that. Listen, all of you, you've got, you've got your individual pandemic stories, the things that you were looking forward to, the things that were taken from you. Goodness gracious, our graduates. Oh, my goodness, college graduates, high school graduates, and you work so hard, and it's like, you just, you've you got to get to that day where you wear your gown, your funny little hat the thing over there. Why do we still do that? It's so antiquated, whatever. But you deserve that day to get your diploma and have your picture taken and shake the hand or whatever it is. Don't you deserve that? Listen, I'm going to say yes, but from God's perspective, do any of us really deserve that? And some of you with young families, you're just starting out and you're investing and you're doing all the right things, aren't you? You're doing all the right things and you're honoring God with your finances and you're giving and you're saving and you're being responsible and you got that job security and you bought a house that you could afford. It was in your price range. You did everything right and then you lost your job. Don't you deserve better than that? Sermon on the Mount. Jesus tells us God sends his reign on the righteous and the sinners, the righteous and the unrighteous. We all face trouble. Jesus told us At the Last Supper, in this world, you will have trouble. Why do we think? Why do we think that we're the exception to that? That other people can face trouble, that other people can face hardships, but we deserve better. Pride is believing you deserve better. Humility is appreciating that you have more than you deserve. And I need to tell you something, just like you know, my journey through this whole situation and feeling that sense of disappointment and, and just really feeling a sense of grief. I know that sounds dramatic, but I felt like the death of a loved one. That sounds dramatic. But that's, how, that's the only thing I could relate it to. Just, I've lost this thing that I was so looking forward to. But going through that process and coming to that hard yet simple truth that I didn't deserve any of this in the first place, it's freeing. It's like, Oh, because all of a sudden I don't feel like anything has been stolen from me. I didn't... I didn't I didn't deserve this in the first place. And if you, can get that, if you can get yourself to that place of peace and that perspective of understanding, none of us are guaranteed any of this. None of us deserve the celebrations. None of us deserve any of this. If we can get ourselves to that place, it's, it's still disappointing, but, but there's a sense of peace. Oh. Oh. Okay. Pride is believing you deserve better humility, is appreciating that you have more than you deserve. My goodness gracious, look at my life and what I have that I don't deserve. Have you met my wife? Goodness gracious! Do you think I deserve Holly? (laughs) You should have seen it, Holly. Turn around. They're like, no. (laughs) You're correct. Have you met my daughters, my little cherubs? Have you met them? Have you met my family? I don't deserve any of this. Goodness gracious, there are people, and listen, I don't need to tell you what you already know, but I will anyway. There are people that are so much better at this job and filling this role than me that are struggling more than I am. Why do I deserve anything? I don't deserve any of this good that I have. Now, this might sound like boasting, but here's here's what else I have. I've got a mansion prepared for me in heaven. I've got eternal life. I've been saved. I'm going to heaven when I die. I don't deserve any of that. It's a gift given to me by Jesus Christ. Pride is believing you deserve better. Humility is appreciating that you have more than you deserve. Let's take a look at our scripture again, okay? If you have your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to open them up, even on your phone. Some people look on your phone, that's fine. There are a few Bibles you can use them to if so desire. Philippians again, it's about yay far back. Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to start with verse 1 actually. <clears throat> so this is Paul writing to the Christian Philippians, right? The church of Philippi there giving them some instruction for how they are to interact with one another and how they are to build relationships with one another and how they are to treat one another. Here's what he says, chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit... If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. This is what Paul is saying. He was the planter of this church. And if you are united, if you're experiencing this compassion, if you're experiencing this love, if you're experiencing this joy, then here's what I want for you. Make my joy complete by being like minded, being on the same page together, being like minded in spirit and of one mind. Being one in spirit and of one mind. Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't let that be your motivating factor. I'm just trying to get ahead, I'm just trying to build something for myself. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourself. Boom. Value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but to not looking to your own interest, but each of you looking to the interest of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, or in other words, something to be grasped or held onto, if you look at some other translations. Something to be held onto or grasped. In Greek, this is called uh, kenosis. It's a fun Greek word, isn't it? Kenosis. This is the kenosis passage. Philippians chapter 2. Kenosis is this term. that We don't have an exact parallel for it in the English language. It's this concept of being poured out, like a pitcher of water being poured out, being emptied. This description of what Jesus did for us. He poured himself out. We have the, What's the expression? Like when you're really tired, oh, I'm spent. I'm spent. This idea of being spent, being poured out for the sake of others. Jesus enters into this world as a human being. Here's what we need to understand, that before Jesus entered into this world, he was in his appropriate place in heaven, on a throne, receiving praise and worship from the heavenly host. And guess what? He deserved all of that. He deserved it. And he gave up his high position that he deserved, right? He gave up his high position that he deserved, poured himself out, and became born as a human being into this world to the most humble circumstances you could ever imagine. Born in a barn, his first bed was a feeding trough. He gave up everything and entered into this world with nothing. And he did it for us. What did Jesus deserve? Here is God. John explains to us that Jesus was always part of the God, that there always is this Trinity, and that Jesus is the creative force behind everything. Without Christ, there would be nothing. Through Him, all things were made. This is what we know. What did Jesus deserve? He deserved our respect, right? He deserved our listening ears. Preschool teachers, is that a phrase you use? Let me have your listening ears. Jesus deserved our listening ears and our attention. He deserved our obedience. He deserved our perfect submission. He deserved our worship. And what did he receive instead? What did we, okay, not those of us in this room, but what did we human beings give Jesus? Did we give him what he deserved? No. Instead, he was criticized, he was ridiculed. He was falsely accused. People looked Jesus in the eye and said, I think you're powered by Satan. Are you kidding me? Can you think of a worse thing to say about our God? We ridiculed Him. We criticized Him. We falsely accused Him of being demon-possessed. We had Him beat up. And then we had Him flogged again. And then we had Him killed. Not just like a regular execution. We had Him crucified which was an embarrassing and horrific and painful form of execution, reserved only for the worst offenders. And not only that, while he was on the cross dying, we ridiculed him. So we'll just come down and we'll believe you. He did not get what he deserved, did he? You know what he got. He got what we deserve. You want to ask yourself that question: What is it I don't I deserve? What do you deserve? He got. Jesus got what we deserve, so that we could have what he deserves. Jesus received the punishment that we deserve, so that we could receive the inheritance that he deserves—the inheritance as a son of the living God. He did that for us. If you want to know what humility looks like, that's it. Praise God. Let me give you a few more of these phrases to help you understand, to help us all be able to identify. This is the goal, to identify pride in our lives so we can stop it. Pride is putting yourself above others. Simply put. Pride is putting yourself above others. Humility is putting others above yourself. This is what Jesus did. He could have come into this world and demanded our perfect submission and he would have earned it. He would have deserved it. He could have come into this world and demanded so much. He could have demanded everything from us, but instead, he put us above his own interest. Pride is putting yourself above others. Humility is putting others above yourself. Let's make this more specific. Pride is putting your wants above the needs of others. Pride is putting your wants above the needs of others. Humility is putting the needs of others before your wants. This is what Christ has done for us. Pride is to take as much as you can from others. Let me see what I can get out of this situation. Let me see how I can use this to my advantage. Let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see what I can do. How can this benefit me? Pride is to take as much as you can from others. Humility is to spend yourself on behalf of others. Pride is to take as much as you can. Humility is to spend yourself. You know, in this pandemic, uh, <laughs> i think we've seen a lot of examples of pride i think we've seen an excessive amount of pride especially in the earlier days of the pandemic but i also sense and maybe you would agree i also sense that there is a humbling process that's been going on as well in the early days of the pandemic i was i was talking with a mentor of mine and i said to him i'm so confused i feel like everybody's an expert in covid 19 everybody's a virus expert but nobody really knows what they're talking about. That's how I felt, right? And if you spend any time on social media, and everybody's saying, well, this is what's really going on with COVID-19, and there were people that were absolutely, positively convinced that this was the worst thing ever. This was the new black plague. This was death. This was certain. This is horrible. This is horrendous. This is so serious. For the love of God, stay at home. Wear a mask. Freaking out. And there were people on the other end of that spectrum too. This isn't even a thing, COVID den- COVID deniers, right? Early on, man, just, just one side or the other. All people on Facebook, well, here's what you need to do to stay safe and you need to, to drink this smoothie and you'll be healthy. And like, what 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 what? Why does everybody all of a sudden why are we all experts? I don't know anything about viruses, right? I've got a master's in theology. I don't know I don't know any of this stuff, this science stuff. All these people coming out of the woodwork with their explanation of what's really going on. How do any of us know this? Pride is being certain of something you can't possibly know. Pride is being certain of something you can't possibly know. Humility is knowing that there are things you don't know for certain. Humility is knowing that there are things you don't know. For certain. More recently, in my conversations, and maybe you've noticed this too, there's a phrase, and when I hear this phrase, I put it out, oh, you just said it. You just said the phrase. There's a phrase that I keep hearing I don't know what to think. <laughs> I don't know what to think, right? And the people that were on the extreme ends of the spectrum, uh, spectrum as it relates to COVID 19 now, they're like, I, I don't know what to think as time goes on. I'm not sure that it's the worst thing ever. I'm not sure if, you know, that it's not that bad. I, I, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to think. Have you heard yourself saying those words? I don't know what to think. Pride is being certain of something you can't possibly know. Humility is knowing that there are things you don't know for certain. Pride is seeking out evidence that validates your perspective. Here's what I believe about fill in the blank. Here's what I believe about COVID-19. Here's what I believe about political policy. Here's what I believe about God. Here's what I believe about religion. And then you go to the internet and you seek out evidence that quote-unquote proves your perspective to be correct, right? Why is there so much division in this world, in our nation, within the Christian community? Why is there so much division? Because all we're after is seeking out evidence that supports what we already believe to be true. And then we put it online and say, see, told you I was right. We're children. Pride. Pride. Pride is seeking out evidence that validates your perspective. Humility is a quest for truth in all things. Well, this is kind of how I feel about the, you know, the, the pandemic situation, but let me do some exploration here. Well, this is kind of how I feel about God, but let me explore. This is kind of how I feel about religion, but let me explore, because maybe, maybe what I'm thinking about, I don't know. You know what? Somebody told me something that I don't agree with, but they may have, may have a point. Let's explore this. Let's seek this out. Humility is a quest for the truth pride is giving an answer when you don't know the answer have you ever been in that spot and that happens to a lot a lot to christian people where somebody asks you something about what it means to be a christian somebody asks you something about the bible and you feel like well i'm a christian so i should probably know the answer to this so i'll just make one up that never happened to you just me then okay that's fine but here's what i discovered you can say i don't know you're not expected to know everything that there is to know about anything right People ask me questions about God and I say, I don't know. People ask me questions about why did God allow this terrible thing to happen? Why did God allow that child to die? And I could say, well, God has a reason for everything. I could say that. But I'd rather just say, I don't know because I don't know and because I can't know the unknowable and neither can you. There are things we just can't know. Pride is giving an answer when you don't know the answer. Humility is saying, I don't know when you don't know. Humility is saying, I don't know, when you don't know. Pride is forming an opinion, when you don't know the details. <laughs> Pride is forming an opinion, when you don't know the details. My goodness gracious, this, this is you know, beyond the pandemic situation that we're in right now. But over the past several years, how many people have been found guilty in the court of public opinion before their case goes to trial? How often does this happen? And my concern is that the, public, the court of public opinion might one day have an impact on the actual judicial system. How often does this happen? There's some wild accusation in the news. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. We don't know. Something happens and it's like, well, I'm sure this person's guilty or I'm sure this person's innocent. So many accusations of misconduct. We see these people, these political figures, these celebrities, these known characters, these famous people, and we assume, well, I'm going to trust what that person says no matter what. A lot of these he said, she said stories, well, I'm going to believe him no matter what. Well, I'm going to believe her no matter what. You don't even know these people. Forming an opinion before we have the details, pride is forming an opinion when you don't know the details. Humility is an effort to remain objective while you gather details. I don't know yet. You know, over the course of, of being a pastor over these many years, um, there are times where I have felt pressured to speak about a certain subject. Hey, something happened in the news. Are you going to talk about it? It's like, well, let's wait and see what actually happened. And there have been multiple times where I'm glad we've waited. <laughs> something happens on Saturday night. Oh, well, let's talk about it Sunday morning. Well, let's see what actually Let's see what actually happened here. Let's not jump to assuming we know what actually happened. Let's gather the details. Pride is elevating yourself to a position you haven't earned and don't deserve. Who puts you in that role of judge, jury, and executioner? You haven't earned that. You don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. Why do we put ourselves in that role? Humility is knowing your place and appreciating where you stand before God. Week one of this series, we talked about fear being a bad thing, but there is a good kind of fear. The fear of God is an appropriate thing because the fear of God humbles us. fear of God is about reverence. It's about respect, but more than anything else, it's about knowing your place, that God is God and you are not, and I'm I'm happy about that. Aren't you glad that you're not God, that you don't carry his burden? I will stay in my lane. Humility is knowing. It's knowing your place and appreciating where you stand before God. All right, this next one's very specific. And you're probably not going to like it. But here's what we're going to... Well, I'm going go to do something specific, then we're going to back up and look at the general principle behind it, okay? You're not going to like this one, but write it down anyway. Here we go. <clears throat> it's timely. I got to say it. I don't want to say it, but I got to say it because it's timely. Here it is. Pride is accusing someone else of being a racist while overlooking your own tendency to discriminate i hope that none of you have ever had to deal with that being accused of being a racist there are some ugly things that you can be accused of but that's that's in the top three i guess I, i'm blessed that i've never been accused of being a, that is a horrible thing to accuse somebody of being right there's something that holly and i teach our girls one of our girls might come down and say well my sisters are being rude to me and what do we say? We don't call that person rude. Explain the behavior. Explain the behavior, right? And I don't know what's going on in our culture. Well, I've, I've never known what's going on in our culture. But it seems like this term racism is just being... It's like ketchup. It's being applied to everything. Goodness gracious. This is racist. That's racist. That's, that's a heavy accusation. Are there racist people in this world? Unfortunately, yes. Is racism a thing? Unfortunately, yes. But you better hold your tongue and not accuse somebody of that unless you're absolutely certain. Pride is accusing someone else of being racist while overlooking your own tendency to discriminate. We're going to talk about this more next week. You might be thinking, well, I don't discriminate based on complexion, skin color, race, I don't do that. Okay, Where in your heart do you have that tendency to discriminate? Is it based on education? Do you think less of people who were not educated as highly as you were? Is it about income? Is it about where you're from? Well, you went to really. I went to Edinburgh. Where Where is your tendency to discriminate? Where is that? Is it political? You're a Republican? You're a Democrat? What? You're a Libertarian? Oh, okay, respect. No, where, where, where is your tendency to discriminate? Pride is accusing someone else of being a racist while overlooking your own tendency to discriminate. Why don't we just stop doing that? Humility is a painstaking... Examination of your own heart in an effort to identify and eradicate your tendency to discriminate. That was a mouthful. Let's do that one more time. Humility is a painstaking examination of your own heart in an effort to identify and eradicate your tendency to discriminate. Let's talk about the same thing in a more general way. Pride... Pride is attempting to take the speck out of someone else's eye while looking past the plank in your own eye. This is what Jesus said to us. Where where did Jesus say these words of wisdom? Where was it? I want to say Sermon on the Mountain, right? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Do yourself a favor and read it today, all right? Sermon on the mountain. Jesus explained pride and judgment. He said, why would you go and look and try to take the speck out of somebody else's eye when there's this beam, this plank sticking out of your own face? Why would you do that? First, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you can see clearly. And you can help take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus doesn't say, don't go around helping people. Don't help them see clearly. He doesn't say that. He says, first, take care of what needs to be taken care of in your own life, in your own heart. Then you'll be able to see clearly to help other people. That's what Jesus says. Take the spe- Have you ever you've encountered this? I'm sure you have. Somebody tries to give you some kind of advice, some kind of help, and you look at this person and think, Why are you giving me advice? Your life's a mess. Your priorities are a mess, your relationships are a mess. Why don't you know what? Why don't you go take care of you and I'll worry about me, alright? Maybe once you get your life together, maybe then I'll accept some advice from you. Have you just me who's felt that way? Okay. Have you ever felt that way? But this is real. This is something we do as human beings. You know why we do it? Because it's easy to look past that plank. It's easy to see what other people are doing wrong. It's easy to see where other people have gone astray. I don't know why it's so easy to look past the big plank, but it is. And it's easier to identify pride in other people. And it's more difficult to see it in ourselves. This is why we're doing this. We need to look that, we need to really just stare at that beam and get rid of it. Look at that plank and get rid of it. Pride is attempting to take the speck out of someone else's eye. While looking past the plank in your own eye, humility is, of course, humility is taking the plank out of your own eyes so that you may be capable of helping others remove the specks from their eyes. This is humility. Pride is no joke. Pride will lead to your downfall. Pride will destroy your relationships if left unchecked. But we are not helpless and we are not hopeless. And we as a church, we need to make a choice. Right? We could try to deny the truth. Say, well, I'm not one of those proud people. I don't have an issue with pride. Or we can embrace the reality that we need to choose Humility. Instead of giving into that tendency to be proud, to choose, I'm going to choose to be humble. To readjust our perspective from God's perspective. To say, okay, wait a minute, I don't deserve better. Wait a minute, I shouldn't have put myself in this position. Wait a minute, who am I to judge? Wait a minute, what, let me look at my own life before commenting on somebody else's. I need to whoo, change your perspective and choose humility. When we choose humility, you know, what, you know what's great about humility? It's attractive. I'm not talking about physically attractive. It's, a, it draws, it's magnetic, it draws people in. Why are so many churches closing and shrinking and congregations are dying? Why? Well, a lot of reasons. One of them is there's not enough humility. Humility is the missing ingredient in Christianity. We need to get it back. Let's get it back. We will get it back. We can get it back with some intentionality and a whole lot of prayer. So let's get ourselves out of that place of pride. Let's change our perspective. Let's choose humility. And let's draw people in to the body of Christ. Let's pray on that. Father God, you know my weakness. You know my tendencies to to be proud. You know where I failed in my life. You know all these things and yet you still love me. I don't deserve that love. None of us deserve your love but you have loved us perfectly. You have loved us as a perfect Father. You have sacrificed greatly for us. And Lord Jesus Christ, you gave up everything so that we could have what you deserve. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. We appreciate what you have done for us. Father God, allow us to see ourselves from your perspective. Allow us to see others from your perspective. Allow us to be able to choose humility. Give us the courage to choose humility when the world around us is choosing pride. Humble us before you, God. Keep us humble. Keep us serving you. Keep us loving others. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.